0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode of Meet and Three is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com.
2: My name is Alex. I'm calling in from Massachusetts. I'm logging on to the Zoom Seder. Okay, clicking on the link. Hi, everyone. Fog. Samea. I hey, so.
3: Okay.
2: I am Weezy. Hey, Lucas. Hi, Grandma. Dad, you have to put Grandma, like, in the camera.
3: Stage 15. There's four questions 15? Oh. Oh. Who, who's going to sing it?
1: I oh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Today, personal connection is more important than ever as we're having to physically distance ourselves from one another. As we stay home, some of us are finding it difficult to let go of our normal routines and casual daily interactions. Some of us are struggling to keep in touch with loved ones. Some of us are fighting off boredom while trying to do distance learning. And some of us are rediscovering the importance of planting a seed and growing our own food. We're all trying our best to stay connected, and this week we're exploring how the very fundamentals of personal connection are shifting in our new reality. I'm Kat Johnson, and this is Meat and Three.
0: Meet and Three. Meat and Three. Meat and Three.
1: One meat, three sides.
4: Food, news, and storytelling. A square meal for your ears.
1: Meat and Three. Social distancing and self-isolation are crucial ways to flatten the curve and prevent COVID-19 from overwhelming our healthcare system. But the resulting lack of human interaction for extended periods of time can be hard, if not downright impossible. Many people are coping by firing up their webcams and gathering virtually for happy hours.
5: Oh, it's getting
0: fun. <laughs>
6: Hello.
1: Hi. <laughs> hey. Hi
0: Jen. Oh, my goodness. OK, so we've got, let's see, one, two. We got two in New York.
1: Last week, I joined a virtual Zoom happy hour hosted by HRN Hall of Famer Lou Bang. Lou is the founder of Sacred Agave, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting the communities that produce agave spirits in rural Mexico. He invited a group of folks to bring their favorite mezcal or other beverage of choice for a virtual hangout.
2: What are you guys drinking? Hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Do you guys want to go around and introduce yourselves and tell us what you're drinking and what you're drinking it out of? Joseph, you start.
0: Okay. Um, I'm drinking uh, a small village mezcal. Uh, you'll probably have to help me with this. It's the Amando Alvarado. Um, Alvarez. Alvarez. Yeah, that's my handwriting. You can't read it, so that's my voice.
3: <laughs>
2: I'm drinking it out of just a uh, rocks glass. It's a beautiful glass. I love that. OK, Jen, you want to go next? You can't tell, but on my screen, you're right below, Joseph.
7: Um, <laughs> drinking a bottle I picked up last time I was in Oaxaca. I wanted to get something that you could buy in Mexico, but not out of the country. But it was an actual brand, just because I never seem to drink brands. Um, so it's called La Raya from Durango. Uh, it's Really
4: damn
1: good. We continued screen by screen sharing a bit about what we were each drinking. I hadn't known what to expect out of a virtual happy hour, but Lou's approach was to give us this subject to start with and then let the conversation unfold from there. It was really lovely to meet new people, hear some of Lou's latest stories from Mexico, and have a moment of distraction from the state of the world. Your virtual happy hour might feel a little strange. I have to admit that mine did. But it's important to maintain some sense of normalcy in our social lives, even if it takes a different form for a while. I think Lou said it best. Going to the bar isn't about drinking. Or at least, it doesn't have to be about drinking. It's about connecting. Lou said he's going to keep hosting these virtual happy hours and is opening it up to anyone who's interested. So if you miss going to your neighborhood bar for casual conversation and want to learn a thing or two about agave spirits, you can sign up to receive info from Lou at sacred.mx. In our next story, Danya Abdalhamid explores how people are turning to their gardens in the midst of the ongoing pandemic. And how urban gardening organizations are finding new ways to share seeds and knowledge.
8: The novel coronavirus has forced us to reflect on the little things. The things that most of us normally would take for granted like our food how it's grown harvested transported to grocery stores and ultimately finds its way to our
3: plates we have tomato seedlings and pepper seedlings that are in place we also have sweet potatoes which um, i've been trying to grow some sweet sweet potato slips just in like leftover mason jars my name is Trihan park they them pronouns are fine
5: my name is brianna jemerson My pronouns are she and her, based in Brooklyn,
3: New York. I also live in Brooklyn while Brianna and I live together. Um,
8: Brianna and Johan are both home gardeners. They both were growing things long before the pandemic, but they say that our current moment gives their garden new meaning and value.
3: I have some prior experience with gardening, not nearly as much as Brianna, Um, and I guess kind of when things started to like really take a turn. I kind of like had a moment of panic. and um, was just like, Oh God, we need to like, uh, you know, like save as much of the sweet potato as we can. And like all these things, this was kind of the the catalyst to like get me pushing on that, so to speak.
5: The thing about gardening and about eating at the end of the day is you have to be thinking about what you're going to eat six months from now today. Like right, right now in front of us, I have these seed packets, Um, And I can't taste this food. The grocery stores don't have this food yet, but it has to be started. Um, And I think a lot of people right now are realizing that we have not had really an impetus. There hasn't been much of a, a, a reason outside of a niche interest to invest in where your food comes from.
8: For Brianna, gardening is a way to ground herself in the present moment, a reminder that some plants can thrive on their own.
5: I was reading the back of a seedling packet for some uh, sweet peppers, and it said that it takes a hundred days to germinate. And I was like, wow, just pause, you know, breathe as someone who is in, as we all are the minute to minute, second to second news cycle. I just had a minute and I was like, I'm grateful for farmers who like plant according to time and who understand the value of time. It's that mindset of, you know, let it sit, let it rest. So I think about my garden in that in that way on a daily basis. And then you superimpose the global, like, physical reality of this virus and, um, like, all the phobias that are kind of inherent in what's happening right now. And I turn to my garden to remind myself that you have to be connected. You have to be invested in time and that everything that we're eating was thought of a quarter ago, six months ago, a year ago even. And I try not to take that for granted.
8: Rihanna and Johan aren't the only people turning to gardening. Jacqueline Platty, who runs Reclaim Seed NYC, an urban food justice organization that normally runs an in-person seed exchange library, says that she's seen an influx in seed requests.
6: There's just been so much increased demand from people wanting to get seed and to learn how to grow their own food. The seed library is kind of running now as a small urban seed company, and I'm doing that through no-contact pickups, through a bin, um, a secured bin on my stoop that I put out with orders when they're ready, and then I wipe it down with a Clorox wipe periodically throughout the day. And I'm also getting seeds out in the mail.
8: Jacqueline says it's been a mix of folks so far, everything from new gardeners with very little knowledge to more experienced folks who have been doing this for a while.
6: People are looking for things that, you know, will store, things like dry beans and winter squashes. But they're also looking for, you know, things that people just enjoy growing and eating, like okra, collards, peppers, lettuces.
8: An ordinary seed company would stock a variety of seeds, even things that don't necessarily have a history of growing in the region. But that's where Reclaim Seed NYC is a little different. Jacqueline doesn't accept just any seed. She's intentional about only accepting seeds that reflect the region's food ways and
6: culture. A big piece of it is where was that, that seed grown? So if it's been grown in the Northeast, it's definitely something that I prioritize as having in the library. And then also, it's important for me to have varieties in the the seed library that reflect the people in the city and the foods that they want to eat. So, you know, not everyone is going to want kale seed because not everybody eats kale, but you know, a lot of folks are interested in seeing the foods that represent their cultures and so that's a big piece of what the seed library consists of.
8: And for Jacqueline, it doesn't just stop once the seeds are delivered. She's also intentional about educating people about their new seeds and our broader food system.
6: I think what is happening really just highlights what was already so fractured in our our food system. And that's why I think the education piece of it now is so critical, because we really have to educate a broader audience of, you know, why it's so important, but also educate them around the current issues and challenges that the food system has always faced.
8: Education efforts like this are also springing up online. Simone Johnson, who's a student at Farm School NYC, is part of the Cooperative Gardens Commission. It's an online group that got its start in response to the coronavirus pandemic.
4: It's people coming together to support each other during this time around growing food and, and helping people who who this may be new for. The main goal is that we're just we're trying to connect with each other um, and support each other by exchanging resources that's like seeds and soil and tools and um, even mentorship and land shares. I was just talking to someone earlier about how can we do backyard and land, land shares. There's a tech working group and an education working group and an herbalism group. It's just about helping people grow food. And I think there's just a, an overall sense among people of wanting to connect and and just <laughs> make sure
8: we can eat. <laughs> Both the Cooperative Gardens Commission and Reclaim Seed NYC are helping folks to reconnect to their food through creating opportunities for people to deeply and meaningfully reflect on the food that they eat and the people and processes behind it. It's a small light in the midst of all this, but hopefully it's one that'll continue long after the pandemic has passed. If you want to learn more about Reclaim Seed NYC, you can check them out on Instagram at reclaimseednyc. While you're there, follow Brianna and Johan's garden at The Bree Garden. That's T H E B R I Garden. Finally, if you want to learn more about the Cooperative Gardens Commission, you can head to their site, coopgardens.org.
1: We'll be right back with more Meet in Three.
4: Do you want to stock your pantry with delicious food and support HRN in the process? Then subscribe to Bend to Table, a monthly delivery service of the best pantry ingredients in the world. For every purchase our listeners make, $10 will be donated to HRN. Get your first package today at bendtotable.com and use code HRN for a $20 discount and an automatic donation. That's bendtotable.com, code HRN.
9: This
1: episode of Meet and Three is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee, representing 75% of U.S. grown Montmorency tart cherry production. With over 100 articles published in health journals stating the vast health benefits of Michigan superfruit, it's best to choose the cherry with more U.S. Montmorency tart cherries. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at ChooseCherries.com. Welcome back to Meat in 3. The way we interact with other people has changed drastically in the past month. The way we interact with the food we buy has also changed. On episode 416 of Cutting the Curd, titled Running a Cheese Shop in the Epicenter of COVID-19, Elena Santagate speaks with cheese shop owner and fellow host of the podcast, Aaron Foster. You know, you have all this decision-making, all these
7: factors weighing on your mind, and we haven't even gotten to the cheese yet.
2: You're uh, right. Or your I, suppliers. I, I definitely, like, <laughs> I totally just glossed over it um, because I feel like, and, and maybe this, like, cheesemakers are going to hate me for saying this, but, like... Mm-hmm. Like the selection in our case right now it almost doesn 't matter mm. um, yeah and it, and it obviously does right it does like well what
7: it makes you say what what you, like right okay so it doesn 't matter are you saying to your customers right now or and to you basically, or who does it not matter?
2: i i do mean to i mean to me personally, but also mm. to customers like like i've i 've had conversations with cheese makers and with cheese distributors and they, you know, they're obviously suffering greatly and I, you know, I I try to do my best to help them and buy things and and pay them. But I I would say that our customers and I've heard this anecdotally across the board and I think you mentioned it at the top, mm-hmm. like people are just not down to experiment right now. They mm-hmm. want brie, they want cheddar, they want gruyere, mm-hmm. they want parm, they want pecorino and like that's it, right. uh, I think I think it's because there's so much Stress and uncertainty in the air, yeah and and risk that like, and maybe this is just pushing it too far, but like I think that people just don't have any more room in their brains to be mm-hmm. like, "I'll take a chance and try this, like yeah, you know, uh, art is an American tum, um mm-hmm. you know, and spend a little bit more money on it, like they just don't have room in their brains for that, and yeah. their appetite for novelty is extremely low, um, and I
7: think it's also interesting, like your customer. Price and and their expenditures might actually not be as big of a factor in your shop since it is a specialty sh- grocer. It's not like a grocery store where sure. people are suddenly trying to do their full grocery shopping at half the budget.
2: No, it's- my average, I mean, in fact, my average ticket has like more than doubled. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or almost doubled, I should say. That's probably reflective of people not buying coffee and sandwiches. But,
7: hmm. but it's interesting to think that those that it's more of an emotional choice to that folks are limiting the selection they're really actually looking at and interested in. Yeah,
2: I think it's a subconscious emotional choice. Yeah. Like, I don't think people are making it very consciously, but I think what we're seeing, or at least what I'm seeing, and I've heard this anecdotally again across the board, is that, mm-hmm. like, subconsciously as a nation and certainly as a city um, or geographic region, we've really... Kind of concentrated, rallied the troops, circled the wagons, whatever it is, around the tried and true standbys, the ones that hold mm-hmm. up in your fridge, um, mm-hmm. and the things that, that can be relied upon for recipes and mm-hmm. for snacks. And people also don't want to linger in front of the cheese counter um, yeah. and taste through a bunch of cheeses and have extended conversations through masks or through plexiglass or whatever at six right. feet distant. And I don't want them to. <laughs> yeah. I want my customers in and out. I want them to come to me less frequently. Mm. I want them to buy more and not panic buy not hoard, but like plan ahead and mm-hmm. come less often. And I want them to like get in and get out. I don't want them to linger. The longer they're there, the like the more risk there is of us infecting them or them infecting us.
1: To learn more about the changes Aaron has noticed in his own cheese shop, listen to episode 416 of Cutting the Curd running a cheese shop in the epicenter of COVID-19. For listeners with kids in the house, you've likely spent the last few weeks figuring out the best way to get work done from home while keeping your kids busy. You may have been hearing the dreaded words, I'm bored. On Time for Lunch, HRN's brand new podcast for young eaters, hosts Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden spoke to kids about how to have fun while social distancing.
9: It's time for lunch!
4: Since so many of us are spending a lot of time at home, we're focusing on a very special and misunderstood feeling.
10: We're used to getting to spend the day with our friends and teachers. or going on field trips, going to church or temple, playing sports, and so much more. Right now, none of us are getting much of that. If your schoolwork is done and it's rainy outside, you might start to feel that familiar feeling.
4: Boredom. But being bored isn't as terrible as you might think. In the moments where we aren't working, watching TV, eating, or playing, boredom creeps in. And that's when it's up for you to decide.
10: Is boredom a bummer or a superpower?
4: Scientists who study our brains have noticed that when we allow ourselves to do nothing, like laying on the floor and looking at the ceiling, Or spacing out while taking a bath. Or looking out the window, we unlock a very special
10: skill. Some might even say a superpower. Creativity. These moments of boredom are when you're going to have your most interesting ideas, come up with solutions you might not have thought of before, and you might come up with a fun project that you never would have thought of if you weren't so bored.
4: So let's dive into the world of boredom together, and we can make staying home... An adventure.
10: We're going to hear from our friend Autumn in Texas, who has some great advice for all of us about making the most of staying home.
9: Hello, my name is Autumn Hughes, and I am here to talk to you today about being home and just kind of staying busy when you are home and not allowed to go out and be places. I have a bit of experience with this because um, not just with this. Um, But last spring, I was diagnosed with leukemia, so I wasn't really allowed to be around people or go to school and stuff like that.
10: Leukemia is a type of cancer that Autumn has. Because of this illness, it's best for her to stay home from school until she gets better. She's gotten good at coming up with creative ways to make home more fun.
9: So a few things that you can do is do crafts and art and just, like, make, like, a friendship bracelet or something like that. Um, It's very important to stick to a schedule just because it's easy to get lost in technology and just kind of sitting there all day. I love reading, so reading is really important. Uh, And then also staying connected with family and friends, using FaceTime or texting or emailing, whatever resources you have.
10: One of the most fun ways a family can come together and make something is during mealtime.
9: One thing that I really enjoyed was cooking when I was home. So me and my daddy each week would go out and plan a fancy meal and cook it together. So we had to plan the sides, how long it would take, that way everything was ready and hot at the same time. We would set the table all fancy and our whole family would come together and just enjoy a super yummy meal. Uh, We also enjoyed having tea parties, so we would get all sorts of like little snacks and uh, use our tea set, even if it was just the four of us.
1: If you know a youngster with a hunger for learning, subscribe to Time for Lunch wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who brought these stories of connection to light. Make sure you stay connected to everything going on at HRN by subscribing to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. That's M-E-A-T and T-H-R-E-E, all spelled out. We also have a page on the HRN website featuring the latest developments on how COVID-19 is impacting the food system. You can find it at heritageradionetwork.org slash COVID-19. We hope you all stay safe as we continue to practice social distancing during the coronavirus pandemic. As for us, HRN is going to keep making food radio from our home studios around the country. As I say this, I am sitting in a makeshift podcast studio in my closet. Special thanks this week to Danya Abdul-Hamid, Elena Santagade, Aaron Foster, and Harry Rosenbloom. Meetin' 3 is produced by Hannah Forden, Matt Patterson, Katie Mosman-Wadler, Dylan Hoyer, and me, Kat Johnson, with lead production this week by McGill Webb. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meetin' 3 is powered by Simplecast. Meet and 3 is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a story idea or just want to say hi, write us at ideas at meatin3.nyc. That's all spelled out.